listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump in. Um, I want to I talk to you about something today that uh, I feel is, is overlooked relatively often. And by the way, um, if you have jumped on the broadcast today and you've not yet shared it, you're going to have seven years bad luck. If you don't share it today, seven years bad luck. So get to sharing. Get to sharing. Um, I think this is often overlooked when it comes to um, Christians. By the way, let me say this. Every Christian is called to be a leader. In all seriousness. Every Christian is called to be a leader. It doesn't mean that you're going to be... <laughs> McLeod said, stop that. Stop confessing seven years bad luck. First of all, we don't even believe in luck. But every Christian is called to be a leader. You are... Uh, that doesn't mean you're going to be in the five-fold ministry, necessarily. It doesn't mean you're going to be a pastor or an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, or a teacher. Uh, it doesn't mean that. Um, but that doesn't mean you're not a leader. Because you'll be a leader within the arena that you are working, operating, living. You can be a leader at your school. You can be a leader on your job. You can be a leader in your community. You can be a leader to your family. Every uh, Christian is called to be a leader. There's no question about that. We're called to lead others. Even if uh, it's the very basic leadership that every Christian is called to, we're called to lead others to Christ. At the very least, we're called to lead others to Christ. But every Christian is called to be a leader in some capacity. Um, I want you to put this in the comments uh, today. I'm anointed to be a leader. I want you to write that. I am anointed to be a leader. The reason I say that is because I want you to, I want you to recognize with me that wherever you are, I don't care if you work at a car dealership, I don't care if you're selling furniture, I don't care if you own your own business, I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're still going to school, it doesn't matter what arena you find yourself in, you're anointed to be a leader. So if you do work at a job, you know, let's say you do work at the car dealership or the furniture store, you're called to be successful and to lead even in that space. Remember that promotion comes from the Lord, not men, comes from the Lord. You're called to lead in those spaces. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're raising your children, you're, you're anointed to lead those children. If you're an entrepreneur, you're called to lead in your, um, in your area of expertise or your business. Maybe you're the only one saved in your family. You're called to lead your family. And so wherever you are, you are anointed to be a leader if you are a part of the body of Christ. I want to encourage you with that. You are anointed to be a leader. So when I'm dealing today with five uh, decisions that will make you a great leader, a successful leader, a dynamic leader, it's not enough just to lead. You need to lead well, and you need to lead in the anointing. One of the things that I, I see that does irritate me 
is when people don't take the position of leadership that God has given them seriously. They don't take it seriously. And so you can see they're kind of coasting, they're goofing off, you know, and, and they're not, they're not putting into it what is necessary to be great in what they're called to do. And I'm going to give you those things today that will help you. But, um, and, and I, I didn't, this is not generated from this book, but it just brought it to my mind when I said the word great again, many of you have probably read the book by Jim Collins, uh, good to great. It's been a business uh, classic for many years now. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been on the bestseller list for a long time. Good to great. Um, and one of the things that always stuck out to me about that uh, concept that Jim wrote about was he made, a, he made a comment in the book where he said many, many corporations are not and never become great corporations or organizations because they are satisfied being good corporations or organizations. It's the same with leaders. Many never become great because they are definitely satisfied with just being good. And, and you know, the, the human nature is to just do the bare minimum. That is human nature. To just do enough to get by. To just do enough to not get fired. To do enough to keep drawing a paycheck and be able to go on vacation a couple times a year and have your weekends to do what you want. Human nature is to live that way. But we're called to be excellent. God's people are called to be excellent and we're anointed to be excellent. And so uh, one of the things that irritates me a lot, especially if, I'm, if I see it in the body of Christ, is when leaders don't take their leadership seriously and they're satisfied just being mediocre. They're, they're uh, satisfied just being good at what they do, but not great. They never press beyond to go to excellence. And we should press for excellence. You know, <clears throat> I, I love going to that scripture in the, in the Bible where the Bible says that it's a command to play skillfully unto the Lord on the harp. You know, you could have just said, well, you know, how many times have you heard that? Like even in praise and worship or someone singing a special. Well, don't listen to my word, my voice, listen to the words. You know, I haven't had time to practice this week, but you know, just get the spirit of this song. It's like, well, why haven't you had time to practice? What was more important? Your pastor asked you to present something as a ministry to the church. Why have you not practiced? Why are you now, after 168 hours in a week, are you coming to the platform to do a two minute song and you, don't, you didn't have time to practice through the week? It's because you don't care. People are satisfied not being great. They just want to get by. And notice, the Bible could have said, just play to the Lord on the harp. But it says, play skillfully. That lends itself to the thought that God wants us to press in for excellence. Press in for excellence, which you can't do without stewarding your time properly. You have to steward your time properly. So many people waste time. They... They are terrible with their time. I, and I mean that. I mean that. Terrible with their time. Morning, Sister Sherry. And, and you have to be a steward of your time in order to be excellent. There will be no way. There will be no way to be excellent or walk in excellence if you just let your time run you instead of, you know, stewarding the time God's given you. By the way, if you're taking notes and you'd like to put this in the comments, time 
is the most valuable resource you have. Natural resource. Now, obviously, we know the Holy Spirit is the most valuable resource we have, but I'm talking about natural resource, time. If you haven't written that down, if it's not in your notes, please put that in your notes. Everything else can be gotten back. Time can never be gotten back. Ever. If you lose all your money, you can get your money back. You can make the money again. Money will come, money, whatever. But time you'll never get back. And so time needs to be stewarded because it's been given to you by God. Your time is given to you by God. With long life will I satisfy thee. The devil doesn't give you the length of your life. The world doesn't give you the length of your life. Your corporation can't. Even your doctor can't give you the length of your life. You understand that. Your doctor can't do what the Lord does. And obviously we know there are things that we can do in obedience to the word that will lengthen or shorten our lives. For example, honoring our parents. That's the first commandment with a promise that your days may be long upon the earth, right? So our obedience to God's word and God's ability, his power is what gives us our long life and our time. And so God's given it to us as a gift to steward, not to waste, not to be lazy. You know, we've talked about that. The Bible uh, condemns laziness, condemns it. Did you know that the Bible calls laziness wickedness. If you've never seen that, you'll find that in the story, the parable of uh, the servants who have been given the talents in Matthew chapter 25. And for the one that received one talent from his master, the Bible says he buried it in the ground and when the master returned, he just presented him back with the same talent he was given. You know what the master said? You wicked and lazy servant. He equated laziness with wickedness. And then that servant in the parable was cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what the Bible says. Not only was his talent taken from him, but the Bible says he was cast into outer darkness as a punishment. You wicked and lazy servant. God sees laziness as wickedness because it is a waste of the resources that he has specifically given you to carry out your purpose. Now, let me break that down because I know that sounded harsh, but let me give it to you as like an equation. Number one, you have a calling on your life. Number one, you have a calling, you have a purpose on your life. Number two, it is God who has called you. It is God who has purposed you. So if we understand just those two things right off the bat, that means you know there are things you're called to do, to carry out, to complete. So that means God has uh, set you apart, commanded you to fulfill your purpose. When you look at it in that light, in that aspect, you start to realize when I just allow laziness to overtake my life, it is me saying, God, your purpose and your call are not important enough to me for me to get to work. Think about it, because that's all it can be. Lord, your calling and your purpose upon my life are not important enough for me to get to work. 
and to do what I'm called to do. And laziness creeps in. And the talents have been placed in your hand. But then the question becomes, what are you going to do with the talents as a servant of the master? Tell you one thing, I'm not burying my talents in the ground. I can tell you that. I had a stark realization last night as I was driving um, home with Carolyn. And I just kind of was sitting and thinking. And I said to her in the truck last night, I said, you know, life goes by so fast. I mean, it goes by so fast. Many of you that are watching or listening to this, uh, you could attest to that, raise your hand and think to yourself, man, life has flown by. Like, I, it's amazing to me that I'm going to be 40 in just really a few weeks, 40 years old. And you start to be introspective and look over your life and say, you know, what am I accomplishing? What am I completing? What am I doing for the Lord? What am I doing in my own purpose and calling? And you start to realize, man, your kids grow up so fast. They're gone. Your life flies by before you know it. You know, it's like, it feels like yesterday you were, you turned 18, 21, and then you turn around, you're 35, you turn around, you're 50. You turn around, you're 50 and you're like, man, life is flying by. It's flying by. Where did the time go, Rachel? I saw a poster that you can place on your wall. It was advertised to me on Instagram. And um, it's a long, almost like a, like a, a, a wall mirror would be. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's little circles. It's little circles that you can fill in every single week. And it just looks like a grid. It's, I, I believe they took however many weeks the average lifespan of a man or woman is. They put it into that, uh, they put it into that, uh, poster frame. And then every week you fill that circle in, you know, that's, that is, that'll shake you when you look over to the wall and you see half of your circles are filled in. Now we know the Lord will give us longer life than the average person, but you look over to the wall at that, at that wall calendar. This is not a repeat hint. If you look over to that wall calendar, you're like half my circles are filled in. Half my life is behind me. You know, just talking, not what God gives you, but the average lifespan of a man. And you start to realize life is flying by. There's not time to waste. There's not time to goof off. I've got to, I've got to get to work doing what the Lord has called me to do. Doing what the Lord uh, has called me to do. I mean, think about that for a moment. And then you think about it in the light of the fact Jesus is coming back soon. That puts a whole nother level of urgency on what you're doing. Not only is life flying by, Jesus is coming soon. So you got two things that we're, we're looking at. You say, how much more important is it now to press in and become the leader that God has called me to be? That God's anointed me to be. And you are anointed to be a leader. You are called to be a leader. And so I'm giving you these five um, choices, these decisions today, morning Jody, that, that will make you a great leader. And that is what you're called to be, a great and anointed and impactful leader. So the first one I want to deal with is, is this, um, make a decision to never stop developing yourself. I mean that in the, in the most, uh, I mean, if I could... I wish that I could just pull people aside. I mean, I know people aren't under me. I, I meet people, I meet leaders, 
I know people are not uh, my subordinates or anything like that, but if I could encourage people that I meet, it would be, listen, stop coasting on what you learned 20 years ago. Never stop developing yourself. Make a decision. I will constantly develop myself, my mind, my body, my skills, my knowledge of the word. I'll never stop developing my relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit. And people get put into this hamster wheel and then they just stop developing themselves. And it's like, you're the same. I said this to Carolyn last night in the truck. I was like, dude, you look at people, they're in the same place they were in 10 years ago. Same place. They've not moved an inch. And I know, I know that you guys know people like that. You could look and you're just like, dang, you shake your head. It's like these people are in the same place that they were 10 years ago. No, no forward movement, no forward progress. It's just like they're treading water. Make a decision to never stop developing yourself. You should grow every single month. You realize that? You should be growing in knowledge, growing in your skill levels, growing whatever it is, every single month, not every year. Things should be happening daily that weekly bring you into new things and then you should see that progress every single month. Every single month, increase, increase. You know, you look at where you're at, like what do I do? You know, do, do I, um, you know, what, do I, am I in sales? Do I own my own business? Am I in the ministry? You know, am, whatever it is. And you think to yourself, what could I do to expand to the next level in the area in which I'm working or living? What can I do? What skills do I need to develop? You, you start to think outside of the box, right? It's like, okay, if I'm looking at, at my, my own personal life calling, my purpose, um, what could I do right now that others are not doing that would set me apart from the pack that would cause me to increase? And then you say, well, and here's what you hear from most people. Well, I wish I could do that. I just don't know how to do it. Well, figure it out. Find out how to do it. This is not, this is not a, a time in 2022 that it's like, it's not 1850 where it's like, man, I have to travel by horse and buggy to a, you know, a college somewhere in the Northeast. This is 2022. You can learn anything you want to learn just through the internet. You can learn it and you can gain skills and build skills and you can know what you're doing. Choose to develop on a constant basis. Don't stay where you're at. Stop coasting on what you learned 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Choose to develop. I always, it always blows my mind and I flip to this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4, because here's a man the apostle Paul, God's man of faith and power. And this is the last letter that he ever wrote, his second letter to Timothy, his son in the gospel. He's already in chains. He's already in Rome. He's coming to the end of his life. He's getting ready to be executed. But as he is writing this final letter of his ministry, he still makes a request in his final words and personal instructions to Timothy. And he says this, when you come to visit me, verse 13, 
2 Timothy 4, verse 13. When you come to visit me, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Troas, and also the books, and above all, my parchments, my notes. Notice that, the 13th verse. He's at the end of his ministry. He's getting ready to be executed, and Paul in captivity in Rome, is still saying, hey, bring me my books, bring me my notes, bring me my parchments. I still have more to study. I still have more to do. And he's literally engaged in ministry in captivity in Rome until his execution. Never stopped working. Never stopped developing. Never stopped moving forward. Kept on running. Ran his race. Finished his course. Isn't that amazing? Paul who was the most impactful apostle, I would say, in the New Testament. Paul, whom the Lord used to write the majority of the New Testament epistles, here he is, at the end of his life, continuing to develop, continuing to expand, continuing. I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. that You have to make that decision to become a great leader. I will always develop myself. You know, there's, there's statistics on this. I mean, um, all kinds of things you could read up on in the business arena. But, I mean, people that are successful, they continue to read and continue to study and continue after school, after college, after university, after, you know, postgraduate, all that stuff. They continue. The majority of them, statistics show, continue to read and build their knowledge and build and develop themselves. Why? They understand that what they're doing is important. And until, now let me, let me say this now, until, and, and, I, and I, I'm going to make this point that I want you to write down, the enemy does his best to make you feel like that what you are personally doing is not important. So that if you get to feeling like that, it will cause you to lay off. He's like, well, what's the point anyway? You know, I'm not doing that much. I'm not making that much of an impact. You know? You know I, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of just barely giving up. Nobody even understands what I'm doing. Nobody knows what I'm doing. And if the enemy can get you to feel as though what you are doing is not important, then you will coast. Recognize on a daily basis what I'm doing for the kingdom is very important. You say, well, I'm not in the ministry. It doesn't matter. Take your business that you started. Take the job that you're doing, all that you're accomplishing, and tie it into the kingdom. You say, you know what? My business will flourish so that I can be a blessing in the kingdom. What I'm doing at my corporation, what I'm doing on my job, it will flourish so that I can be a blessing in the kingdom. Everything's tied back to the eternal purpose of God's kingdom. And when you start to recognize that your life has meaning in the eternal sense of the word, then my friend, you will get to work and understand what I'm doing is vital, is very vital. So choose to develop, choose to develop yourself. Um, Number two, you've got to choose to be a person that has and operates by vision. You've got to be a person who has and operates by vision. Great leaders in any arena are visionary. They have vision. But but in the kingdom, you don't develop your own vision. 
you gain one from the Lord. He gives you a vision of what you're called to do. He puts those things in your spirit and in your heart. But understand what happens when you operate outside of vision. Let me read this to you now. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. One way that that Hebrew could be uh, translated, the people, when it says cast off restraint, the people are discouraged. It's one way that you could render that. The people are discouraged. So what does that mean? If you don't have a prophetic vision you're following, then anything goes, right? It's like I heard Bishop David Oedepo say one time, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. And I want you to put that in the comments. That will change your life to live by that. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like your destination. (laughs) And that's not what we're called to have or be. If I don't know where I'm going, anywhere I arrive looks like my destination. So what does that mean? I need prophetic vision from the Lord. It directs me. It guides me. One of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to lead and guide God's people. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. So we understand that God's people are led by His Spirit. If I don't know where I'm going, anywhere I arrive looks like my destination. And that's a massive mistake. Massive mistake. I don't want to just end up anywhere. I want to end up where the Lord's sending me. You know what I mean? It's like, if you don't know, it's like, it's like if you were going to go to, you know, Universal Studios, if you didn't know Universal Studios is in Orlando, Florida, in the United States of America, you could just go off on a globe trot to say like, I'm going to find Universal Studios and I'm just going to go there, but I don't, I don't know which way it is. I'm just going to start traveling. And if you don't even know what Universal Studios looks like, or if you don't even know uh, anything about it, you might arrive at Six Flags in Ohio and be like, I've made it. You know, I'm in Universal Studios. You don't know where you're going. So you arrive and you think you're there. That's a problem. And people live their lives like that. You know, they just end up in places like, well, this, I guess just where God had me to be. No, you didn't get a vision. You didn't follow a plan. You didn't have the, the, the clear direction and clarity of purpose. And so you're just arriving in places in life God didn't intend for you to be there. I guess God had other plans. No, God didn't have other plans. God's not double-minded. It's just that people don't listen to his voice. They don't pray, they don't fast, and they don't consult him about their future. So as a result, they wander and end up wherever. They end up wherever. So you've got to choose to have vision. You've got to choose to have vision. And how do you get that vision? You get it from the Lord. The Bible says if people don't have prophetic vision, then they cast off restraint. Okay. And we've, we've talked this about, I talked about this earlier uh, in other broadcasts, but what does it mean to cast off restraint? It means that the thing restraining my actions, the thing restraining all of my uh, resources 
is the purpose to which I'm called, right? I use the example of a GPS as you're driving. If my goal is to get to Universal Studios, for example, from where I live in Florida, I have to go north. I have to go north. And so as I'm heading north on the interstate or the turnpike, and I'm headed up that way, um, I start to realize there will come a time where if I want to get to my destination, I have to be restrained in my directions and the GPS will restrain you because you could just keep on going on the interstate. You could take 95 all the way up to Washington DC and further than that, all the way up to Maine if you, if you wanted to, but your purpose is restraining you. I'm not going to stay on 95 all the way up to Washington DC because I'm trying to get to Universal Studios. So when it comes time for me to make a change, my direction is going to restrain me. It's restraining my choices. It's restraining my actions. See, you understand? If there's not a vision, if I don't know where I'm going, I'll just keep on driving and see where I end up. But if I have a destination I'm headed to, then I won't cast off restraint. I will take restraint and let that thing restrain my decisions. Now, when it says to me, get off on exit 68 in 1.5 miles, I just got restrained. You see that? My choices just got restrained because of my purpose, my destination. And now I'm not going to stay on 95. I am going to do and follow that direction, which is restraining my actions. And I'm taking the exit. Why? Because I know where I'm going and I know that I, that I need to get there. My destination restrains my actions. This is why people just, they just go through life floating and do whatever they want because they don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. And so as a result, they just wander instead of letting their actions be restrained by their purpose. Hallelujah. Number three, make a decision to analyze what you're doing. Analyze what you're doing in life. I have no idea, Tiffany, what Robert is talking about in my comment section. Get your mind right. Either pay attention or go see a psychiatrist. I don't know what in the world this dude is doing. Take control over your mind, Robert. Pay attention. Listen to the word of God or just beat it. No one cares about a story right now. We're not focused on your story of dirty needles. So either be quiet and listen, sit down, take a few breaths, wipe the Cheetos crumbs off of your wife beater, take a shower, and come back and receive from the teaching. Not if you understand. Number three, choose to analyze. Analyze your situation. You should be able, we talked about this yesterday, you should be able to look at what you're doing and where you're going and see, am I making the progress I'm called to make? Am I making the progress I'm called to make? Have I moved it all in the last year? Am I moving forward? Or am I still in the same spot, doing the same stuff with no forward progress? And if I am, then my analyzation, my analysis, it should help me to understand why I'm still in the same place. 
<laughs> Why am I in the same place? What's causing me? You know, people, you know, we hear this a lot because it became like a cliche, but it's like, you can't do the same thing every day and expect different results. That's insanity. You can't continue to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and think you're going to get a different result from what you're doing. No. And so when you look at yourself and analyze and say, you know what, I'm still where I was a year ago. I've not seen any forward progress in my business. I've not seen any forward progress in my ministry. I've not seen any forward progress in my whatever. I don't care my family, my, my health, my weight. I don't care what it is. What's the deal? Analyze that thing. Don't, don't be in denial and say, well, I just think we're going through a season right now. You know, I'm going through a season where the Lord's not letting me lose any weight because he's trying to show me, he's trying to show me something. No, the Lord's not taking you through a season where you can't lose any weight. The Lord's not taking you through a season where your church won't grow. The Lord's not taking you through a season when your business is crashing. The Lord doesn't do that. It's cause and effect. It's seed time and harvest. Analyze that thing. If it's not working, trash it. Don't get romantic about your methods. Be romantic about your vision. Right? Think of it this way. That as you're going through, Mental patience. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. And so, <laughs> you're not going through a season. You got you to gotta analyze that. You got to analyze that. Yes, Nancy. Um, <laughs> you got to ask yourself, why is what I'm doing not working? You got to be introspective. It's the thing nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to be introspective about their own life. And because you have to acknowledge that something's failing in order for you to change it and to be introspective about what you're doing in life. So nobody wants to go there. Everybody wants to just be like, well, you know, I think it's really the people around me are not really receiving. What it's not them. It's not them. It's not the season you're in. It's not something God's doing through you. Something's not working. 
something is not working. And so, um, I'll give you a, I'll give you a quote that I think will really, will really help you. Um, listen to this. Um, somebody said this regarding your own personal vision, and I can't remember who exactly had the quote, but listen to this. At three levels of what you're doing in life, please write this down. This will help you immensely. You have to be married to your vision. That's the strongest thing. That's the thing that will never change. I am married to my vision. But number two, I'm only infatuated with my strategies. I'm married to my vision. I'm infatuated with my strategies, but I'm only cordial with my methods. Another person said it this way. You got to be married to your vision, engaged to your strategy, and only dating your methods. Married to your vision, engaged to your strategy, and only dating your methods. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, your, your vision's never going to change. God gave it to you. You're calling your purpose. It won't change. If it's not being completed, well, the thing that you hold a little bit less loosely than your vision is your strategies. Now, strategies can change. Strategies can change, but your vision won't. Your calling doesn't. And then finally, on the, on the very outside, is your methods, the way, the way that you're trying to carry out your strategies. Those can change a lot and a ton. So you need to look at it and say, you know, my vision is still there, but what about my strategy to complete my vision? Maybe it's off. Maybe that's why I'm not ch- changing. Maybe that's why I'm not seeing increase. Because my strategies to complete the vision are off. Maybe the strategies are good, but the methods to carry out those strategies are terrible. Terrible. You know, and, and so you have to relook at that and say, you know what, I'm not going to get all, all, all romantic on this. You know, oh, we've done this for 20 years, brother. Who cares? It doesn't work, and it hasn't been working for 20 years. So tradition means nothing. It means nothing. If it's not working, scrap it. And don't feel like, well, people will think that I've failed. And I say, who cares what people think? Who cares what people think? There's tons of things I've started and I felt like they weren't working. So I just stopped doing it. I don't care about that. I don't, I don't care. Right? Be married to your vision. Engaged to your strategies and only date your methods. Those can change. You, it might be. The Lord may tell you to do something totally different on those methods. He may give you a method that works for a season and where you're at and what you're in. But you gotta be, you gotta analyze. You have to use analysis because if you don't, then what, what ends up happening is you get stuck in that rut for decades doing the same thing and then blaming everybody else why nothing's changing. Blaming everybody else why there's no increase. Blaming everybody else. Well, I'll tell you, this season we're living in this antichrist agenda. Really? Because the antichrist agenda has been around since Christ was around. And it didn't stop the early church from growing. It didn't stop the early church from being blessed. And there was just as much of an antichrist system then as there is now. The antichrist agenda has been in the world working. John even wrote that. He said it's been here and it's already here and it's been here. First John chapter 4. And so it's not new. So don't tell me that the reason you can't have success in what you're called to do is because there's just an antichrist system at work. That, who cares? That doesn't affect us. 
doesn't affect us. Get introspective and say, what am I doing? It's seed time and harvest. What do I need to change today? What do I need to change today? And figure it out. Count up all the cost. Count the cost. That's analyzation, that's analysis. And it'll help you immensely. Because if you're gonna be a great leader, then you have to analyze yourself all the time. Say, is this still working well? Is this system still uh, what we wanted to, is it still accomplishing what we wanted to do? Is it still worth doing? Are the things, remember, time's your most important resource, so are the things you're doing still worth doing? Are they still worth doing? Or are they not worth doing anymore? They're not accomplishing what you wanted them to accomplish anymore. If not, scrap it. You know, I'll give you an example. This is a, this is a church ministry example. There's churches all over America that are still having Sunday night services because of the tradition. Well, there's a lot of churches cancel their Sunday nights, but we still have a Sunday night, praise God. Okay? Your Sunday night is a poor rehashing of your Sunday morning. Nothing's prepared. Nothing, nothing's set up. You have nothing uh, to even deliver that's fresh. You're just there for tradition's sake. But my God, we'll never cancel our Sunday night. Well, you should. Because no one comes. Because they know you're not prepared. That you're only there because you're bragging about how, we st- we're Pentecostal. We still do. So who gives a crap? That's not anywhere in the Bible. They met on the day of the Lord, but it doesn't say they met Sunday morning and Sunday night. So who cares that you have a Sunday night service at your church? It doesn't accomplish anything. You don't have anything fresh from the Lord. You're nothing prepared. Nobody comes because they know you're just wasting their time and, and ranting about whatever it is that you want to talk about. These are things that need to be, so it's like, is this part of orthodoxy or is this just something I need to let go of? That's an example. That's an example, right? We've always done this. We've always done it this way in our business. Last 20 years. Yeah, it doesn't work. Quit doing it. Tradition means nothing. Results mean everything. Results mean everything. God is a results-driven God. He is a results-driven God. That's right, Dylan. It's costing them time, energy, and resources just to say they still have a Sunday night service. And many times they won't even put in the time or the energy or the resources. They just show up and there's nothing. It's like, why are we even coming? Why are we even here? Just to prove a point? Makes no sense. So don't allow tradition to guide you. Let results guide you. What's working? God is a results-driven God. God is a results-driven God. Remember that. He expects results. Number four, this will help every leader watching. Make a decision to have constant, continual joy in your life. I don't care what arena you work in, live in, uh, if you own a business, if you're working at a job, if you're in the ministry, if you're a stay-at-home mom, make a decision to have overwhelming joy all the time. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is not the result of a situation or an event. Joy is a choice that is driven by specific criteria listed in the Word of God. Specific criteria. The whole reason I wrote the book, Praise, Laugh, Repeat. The reason I wrote Praise, Laugh, Repeat was to show people that joy is not something that comes because you're in a joyful environment or because events take place or because you were around friends or because you had a happy mood. 
Joy is a, an anointing that comes from the Lord and it is driven by specific criteria in the Bible. And the whole book that I released, my very first book I ever released, Praise, Laugh, Repeat, will show you that there are scriptural actions you can take that will inject joy into your spirit. No question about it. No question about it. And so I'm telling you, make a decision to live in overwhelming joy because it changes everything. It is strength to your body, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Many times the reason people have lost the strength of their purpose is they've lost their joy. The reason people get weary and well-doing, they've lost their joy. They've lost the joy of their salvation. They've lost the joy of the Holy Spirit, which strengthens you to accomplish your purpose. And so because they've lost their joy, they've lost their strength. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, the, one of the reasons they've lost that joy and lost that strength is because they've gotten so busy in doing the work that they're doing that they've forgotten to spend time in the presence of God. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So you got to get into his presence on a daily basis to cultivate that joy, which will be your strength. It's the fuel for your purpose. Please put it in the comments, all caps if you will. Joy is the fuel for my purpose. Joy is the fuel for my purpose. Powerful thought. Stop trying to run on fumes and accomplish what God's called you to do. Inject yourself with some joy in the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Lord is the fuel for your purpose. No question. Every day, all day. Every day, all day. The joy of the Lord is the fuel for my purpose. And yes, it is. Absolutely. The Bible says in Isaiah 12 and verse 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. So there are wells in your salvation. And in those wells, is water that's only drawn out by what? Joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, let me say this before we pray. If you're going to be a great leader, make a decision to stay hungry and anointed. Make a decision to stay hungry and anointed. Let me tell you something. There's nothing better than an anointed stay-at-home mom. There's nothing better than an anointed worker at a job or manager at a job. There's nothing better than an anointed entrepreneur. There's nothing better. Nothing better. Because when you operate in the anointing of God, you're not operating in natural strength, natural wisdom, natural power. You're operating under the glory and the power of God. Absolutely. He guides you. He shows you things to come. He gives you words of wisdom. He'll give you words of knowledge. He will show you things by the Holy Spirit. He'll empower you to do things. You'll learn things other people can't even learn. They can't even learn. But the Holy Spirit's teaching you all things. And they won't even understand it's your job. How did he pick that up so quick? How'd she get that so quick? I mean, like we just told her about it two days ago. She's already pretty good at it. It's because the Holy Spirit is my advantage. He teaches me all things. 
He teaches me all things. Make a decision to stay hungry and anointed. Hungry and anointed. It's like David said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I'm hungry for his presence. Hungry for his presence. It's interesting that Jeremiah, you know, uh, prophesied that to God's people in the, in the Old Testament and basically gave them, you know, he gave them that stipulation from the Lord. And that stipulation, he said that, um, when you seek after me with your whole heart, you'll find me. He was talking to those people that were exiled in Babylon. What did he say to them? These were people that had stopped seeking him. But he said, you know what? I can't be a part-time God to you. I can't be uh, something that you only seek on the weekends. When you seek after me with your whole heart, you'll find me. God's looking for people, uh, the New Testament uh, equivalent of that for the church. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. He's a rewarder of who? Those that diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. And that's, that's what he's looking for. He needs and he wants people that will search after him wholeheartedly. I want his presence. I want his power. I want his glory. I want his help. I want his strength. I want his joy. I want his direction. I want his hand upon my life. Hallelujah. But you got to diligently search after him. I'm going to stay hungry and I'm going to stay anointed. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for putting a powerful purpose on every one of these that are watching and listening. Thank you, Lord, for calling them and setting them apart for such a time as this. Lord, as, even as we understand time is short, Jesus is coming, and life is moving quickly. I pray that you would build an urgency in our spirit to accomplish what you've called us to do. Put an urgency in our spirit to go beyond what the uh, human nature would do, what others would do, and give us a spirit of excellence a spirit of excellence to accomplish our purpose in you. Let us never take our time lightly, but Lord, let us be stewards of the time you've given us. The length of our life comes from you. Our strength comes from you. Our ability comes from you. You get all the glory for everything that happens in our lives. You get all the praise for every good thing. Your word declares every good gift, every perfect gift comes from you. Nothing is from us. It's always from you. So Lord, give us a new strength, a new hunger, a new urgency to get to work, to accomplish our purpose. Open doors for your people this year, Lord, to do what we've never done. This is our year of divine possession. You've given it to us and we stand on that word. It's our year of divine possession. We'll go where we've never gone. We'll do what we've never done. We'll have what we've never had in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare it. We thank you for that. So now give us ideas, give us opportunities, give us open doors, and we will run through by faith and accomplish that purpose in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. Throw some fire up in the comments. Listen, I'm praying for Diane's family. Cousin was killed in a motorcycle accident. Lord, I speak peace. I ask you to touch the hearts of every family member. I pray that you'd comfort their minds. I pray that you'd give them a peace that passes even human understanding 
in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if you've prayed about it yet, those of you that are watching and those that are listening. I don't know if you've prayed about taking a step to partner with me and Carolyn. But we're getting ready to leave again tomorrow. We're headed to Danville, uh, Virginia for revival. Starts on Sunday. And then we're off to the second tent crusade of the year. And then we're off to Louisiana to be with Pastor Mark Hankins. And we're, we've just not stopped. This has been the most, probably the busiest year we've ever had. But the doors are flying wide open. And we're taking steps of faith to do more than we've ever done. And I want to encourage you and challenge you. If you've not stepped out to partner with us on a monthly basis, now's the time, man. Jesus is coming. And so if you'd like to take that step of faith to stand with us on a monthly basis, go to miracleword.com and sign up on the partner page. Fill out that form. Uh, look at all we're doing and stand with us to see Jesus Christ change this generation before it's too late. And to say our thank you to you in the month of June, for those that are standing at $85 or more, uh, Dr. Leroy Thompson wrote a powerful book years ago that was a life changer for me called Money Cometh to the Body of Christ. It's our gift to you uh, for the month of June, for those that are sewing $85 or more and partnering with us. We're going to include with that, for $250 or more, that kind of a seed, uh, the book by T.L. Osborne, The Message That Works, uh, the message he preached around the world that saw millions saved and healed uh, that never is ineffective. This is a powerful book. I have it in my, both of these in my collection, and I want to give them to you, those that are sewing $250 or more, and then, of course... For those that are sewing $1,000 or more, I'm including with that the Net Study Bible, my favorite study Bible right now. Uh, 60,000 translators' notes. It's one of the greatest things we've ever received as Christians in the last 200 years, and I mean that. Once you've sewn your seed and you want to receive any of those, depending on where you, how you sewed, uh, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form, let us know where to send it, check it out if you haven't got a chance. Right there. Give me that close shot. Give me that close shot. Look at it. This is brand new. Pre-orders are still coming in. We've had tons of people place their orders already. This is, look at the, look at the beauty. Look at the technicolor. Look at that. Gorgeous. For your kids. Do it for the kids. Shop.miracleword.com. This new one-year Bible study with Miracle Word Kids will be something that you can actually keep, to keep it as a keepsake. All the areas for your kids to write in here. We have coloring pages in here. This is the most beautiful thing we've ever put out. We've got even bulk discounts for you guys. If you order it, go check it out, shop.miracleword.com. Uh, if there's any Yetis left, congratulations for getting them before they were gone. Um, if you want to check out our schedule, go to the website. I want to see you live in Revival this summer. Take a road trip. MiracleWord.com, click the schedule page, check out where we're going to be. Uh, maybe we'll be close to you, maybe we'll be far from you, but it's 2022. You can find a way to get there, and we'd love to see you. Don't forget, the Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend is going to be in October, the 28th and the 29th. Look at the change so fast. It's a Friday and a Saturday. We're going to have revival service on Friday night. We're going to have the brunch slash lunch slash whatever else on the Saturday, and we're going to hang out, we're going to have fun, Jenna's going to be contacting you as partners to come be a part of this in October in Pennsylvania, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, slash Allentown, we want to see you there, 
It's gonna be great. Uh, we got some big, big announcements for our partners. Cannot wait to share it with you. Yes, I am going to be at the tent meeting in Pennsylvania, in York, and in Scranton, PA. Can't wait to get there. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. I love you guys so much. Have a great day. Carolyn will be live today, 2 p.m. Don't miss the broadcast. She's back in the studio and live. Have a great day. I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.